اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم انشاءاللہ before we begin the lesson we are going to listen to the recitation of the lesson from the beginning which is from ayah number 109 so as the recitation is being played your eyes should be where? on the text your finger or your pencil or your pen should be where? on the text as well following along your ears should be where? listening attentively And your heart should be where? Present, reflecting. Inshallah. Let's begin. Yawma yajma'allahu al-rusula fayaqoolu maadha ujibtum Qalu la ilma lana innaka anta allamul ghuyub Ith qala allahu ya ابن مريم اذكر نعمتي عليك وعلى والدتك اذ ايدتك بروح القدس اذ ايدتك بروح القدس تكلم الناس في المهد وكهلا واذ علمتك الكتاب والحكمه والتوراه والانجيل وَإِذْ تَخْلُقُ مِنَ الطِّينِ كَهَيْئَةِ الطَّيْرِ بِإِذْنِي فَتَنْفُخُ فِيهَا فَتَكُونُ طَيْرًا بِإِذْنِي وَتُبْرِئُ الْأَكْمَهَ وَالْأَبْرَصَ بِإِذْنِي وَإِذْ تُخْرِجُ الْمَوْتَى بِإِذْنِي وَإِذْ كَفَفْتُ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ عَنْكَ إِذْ جِئْتَهُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ فَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْهُمْ إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ وَإِذْ أَوْحَيْتُ إِلَى الْحَوَارِيِّينَ أَنْ آمِنُوا بِي وَبِرَسُولِي قَالُوا آمَنَّا وَاشْهَدْ بِأَنَّنَا مُسْلِمُونَ إِذْ قَالَ الْحَوَارِيُّونَ يَا عِيسَى ابْنَ مَرْيَمَ هَلْ يَسْتَطِيعُ رَبُّكَ أَنْ يُنَزِّلَ عَلَيْنَا مَائِدَةً مِنَ السَّمَاءِ قَالَ اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ قَالُوا نُرِيدُ أَنْ نَأْكُلَ مِنْهَا وَتَطْمَئِنَّ قُلُوبُنَا وَنَعْلَمَ أَنْ ولنا وآخرنا وآية منك ورزقنا وأنت خير الرازقين قال الله إني منزلها عليكم فمن يكفر بعد منكم فإني أعذبه عذابا لا أعذبه أحدا من العالمين So as you were listening, could you imagine this conversation taking place? That imagine all of mankind is present. Just imagine a huge stadium or an arena where there are thousands and thousands of people. And there are just a few people who are in the center and everybody is able to see them, hear them, because what they're saying 
is being magnified on huge screens. And just imagine, all the prophets are present. And Allah asks them, what response did you receive? And they are so afraid that they say, we don't know. And Allah addresses Isa salam, reminding him of so many favors which Allah bestowed him, which were in reality favors to who? To his people. Because all those favors only made it easier for the people to believe in him, to follow him, to accept what he was saying to them. Imagine the state of those people. And then Allah will ask him, وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ And recall when Allah mentioned, when Allah will say to who? يَا عِيسَى إِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ وَإِذْ And when? قَالَ He said, Allahu Allah, يَا عِيسَى أُعِيسَى إِبْنَ مَرْيَمَ Son of Maryam. أَ Did أَنْتَ يُو قُلْتَ You said, لِلنَّاسِ To the people, اتَّخِذُونِي You take me وَأُمِّيَ And my mother إِلَهَيْنِ As two gods مِنْ From دُونِ اللَّهِ Besides Allah Imagine Everybody is listening Afraid And Allah asks Isa salam, Did you tell the people That O oh people Take me and my mother As gods besides Allah Isa, did you tell people that they should worship you? That they should call upon you? That they should worship your mother? That if they are in need, they should make prayer to you? Did you tell them? Did you command them to do this? Qala, he will say, Subhanaka, glorified are you. Ma yakunu, it is not. Lee, for me. An aqula, that I say. مَا that which لَيْسَ It is not leave for me بِحَقٍ Any right. He will reply, O oh Allah, perfect are you, glorified are you. I had absolutely no right to say anything like this. Why would I call people to my worship? Notice over here, he does not go on mentioning his innocence. Rather, what does he do? He glorifies Allah. He mentions Allah's perfection. That Allah subhanaka, that you have no partner. I believe in you alone. I worship you alone. How could I ever call people to my worship? And I have no right to say anything like this. What was the message that Isa gave to the people? The message of Tawheed. Whose worship did he invite the people to? The worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Why? Because only he is ilah. Only he is God. No one else other than him deserves worship. And who knows this fact really well? It is the prophets of Allah. So Isa salam will reply, Subhanaka ma yakunu li an aqula ma laysa li bihaq. Perfect are you above having any partner perfect and free from the need of having a partner. You are perfect in yourself. You don't need to share your authority, your work with anybody because you are above any weakness, any deficiency. Who needs a partner? Who needs to share his work, his authority with someone? Someone who cannot handle it themselves because it's too much for them. It's too difficult for them. 
Allah Azza wa Jal, Subhanaka, you are free from this deficiency and weakness. مَا يَكُونُ لِي أَنْ أَقُولَ مَا لَيْسَ لِي بِحَقْ I had no right to claim anything like this. And I would never say anything like this. He will further say, In if kuntu, I was, قُلْتُهُ I said it. فَقَدْ عَلِمْتَهُ فَقَدْ Then certainly, عَلِمْتَهُ You knew it. If I had said anything like this, you would have known it. Why? Because Allah knows everything. So, in other words, Isa is saying, I never said that. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking Isa did you say to the people, worship me? Is it because Allah does not know? Of course Allah knows. Of course Allah knows that Isa never made such a claim. Then why is He asking him? Because He is indirectly rebuking His people. That on what basis did you worship Him? On what basis did you start calling Him God? On what basis did you ask Him for help? When He never told you, He never commanded you. So on the day of judgment, Allah will ask Isa did you tell the people? And when he will say no, and this is great humiliation for the people. He will say, if I had said it, you would have known it. Because ta'lamu, you know, ma that what? Fi is in nafsi, myself. Wala and not, a'lamu, I know, ma that which, fi nafsik, in yourself. Innaka indeed you, anta you alone, allam, allam, supremely aware of what? al ghuyub of the unseens. If I had said it, you would have known it. Why? Because whatever is in my heart, you know. Whether something I utter, I speak, or I conceal it. Whatever I say, whatever I keep inside, you know it. And I, on the other hand, as for me, Risa is saying, as for me, I have no idea about what is in you, meaning what you know, O oh Allah. What you are aware of, what you say, what you intend, I do not know. You know me, what I feel in my heart, what I conceal in my heart, and I don't know about all those matters that you hide from me. Why? Because only Allah is God. Over here basically, Isa is referring to his being a human being. His being limited in his knowledge, in his ability. Compared to who? Compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In a way he is showing his servitude to Allah. That I am nothing before you. You are the one who knows everything. And I on the other hand don't know much at all. My knowledge compared to yours is almost nothing. So how could I ever be God? Does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not know this? Of course He knows this. Why is Isa I'm saying this to Allah? Again, to prove to the people that you are guilty. I never invited you to shirk. So what do we learn over here? That Isa salam never ever claimed divinity. He never called people to the worship of Himself. Rather He called people to the worship of Allah alone. And we see over here that Isa salam considered himself human being because that's who he was. He believed in himself as someone who is limited in his abilities, in his knowledge. And he believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone as who? As God. Why? Because he alone knows everything. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ You alone 
are who? The knower of the unseen. You alone have the knowledge of everything that is hidden. Therefore, I cannot be God. Only you are. Only you alone are God. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ Now notice over here, that Isa never claimed divinity. And this is an evidence of, of his truthfulness, that he was a true messenger. Because every prophet would only say what was true. He would never claim anything that was not true for him. He would only say what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him to say. The messengers were not allowed to make up anything. They were not allowed to invent anything at all. And this is a sign of what? Of a true prophet. In the Qur'an we learn that if the Prophet ﷺ were to have invented something, then what would happen? He would be severely punished. That لَأَخَذْنَاهُ بِالْيَمِينَ We would have surely seized him from the right. ثُمَّ لَقَطَعْنَاهُ Then surely we would have cut his vein. Meaning he would be punished openly before people. But nothing such as this happened. And what does that show? That he was a true prophet. And those who are false prophets, who claimed prophethood, they claimed the most weirdest and strange things. They're the ones who seem to be like magicians, who were dishonest people, people who were liars. And their falsehood was apparent. Whether this happened hundreds of years ago, or it happened recently, or it happens today. Any person who is a false prophet, his invention is visible. It is very clear. It is not hidden. So he says over here, Isa alayhi salam, إِن كُنْتُ قُلْتُهُ فَقَدْ عَلِمْتَهُ تَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِي وَلَا أَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِكَ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ Only you alone are the knower of the unseen. I do not know the unseen. I could never be God. He said, مَا قُلْتُ مَا نَعْتُ قُلْتُ I said, لَهُمْ to them إِلَّا except مَا that which أَمَرْتَنِي You commanded me به with it. I never said anything except for that which you commanded me with. Meaning the only thing I conveyed to the people was what you told me to convey to them. I never changed it. I never added anything to it. I never decreased anything from it. As is verbatim, that is what I conveyed to the people. مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ إِلَّا مَا أَمَرْتَنِي بِهِ and what was that which he conveyed to the people? On that, Ubudu, all of you worship Allah, Allah, Rabbi, my Lord, Warabbakum, and your Lord. This is what he said to the people that, O people, worship Allah, who is my Lord and your Lord. Isa, listen, and one of the first things that he said as a child was what? Inni Abudullah. Indeed, I am the servant of Allah. He claimed servitude for himself, that he was only a servant of Allah. He was an abd, he was makhluq, he was a human being. He never called people to the worship of himself. He said, Urbudullah Rabbi wa Rabbakum. And he will say at that time, Wakuntu, and I was alayhim upon them, Shahidan, a witness, Madumtu, as long as I remained. Fee him in them. Meaning, he will say at that time, that as long as I was alive, as long as I was in the dunya, amongst the people, 
Then, yes, I was a witness over them. Witness over what? Over their actions, what they did. Yes, I saw what they did. I saw what they believed in. I saw their actions. However, فَلَمَّا then when تَوَفَّيْتَنِي You took me in full. Meaning, O oh Allah, when you gave death to me, when you recalled me, then كُنْتَ You were. أَنْتَ You alone. الرقيب, the ever watchful, the observer, عليهم, over them. When you took me, whether it was the first time that he was lifted up from the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took him up from the earth, or it was the second time when he was sent, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him death. Right? As we know that Isa alayhi salam, he was taken up, he was not given death, rather he was taken up as is, and then Towards the end of time, he will be sent back to the earth. When he will be sent back, then he will die. After some time, he will die a natural death. So tawafaytani could be referring to either of those two, or both even. That when you removed me from the people of the earth, when I was no longer amongst people, then you observed them. You know about what they did. I don't know what they did. I have no idea about what they did after I left them. So whatever they invented after I was gone, that was their own inventions. I have nothing to do with that. So in other words, after Isa salam, when the people started worshipping him, claimed that he was son of God, or God himself, did Isa salam have any share in this? No. Did he ever tell the people to do anything like this? Never. Because all of this happened after he was gone. This is very similar to how the Prophet ﷺ, when he left, when he was given death, after him, there are many people who literally pray to the Prophet ﷺ. Did he ever tell them, worship me? Did he ever tell them, pray to me, ask me? Did he ever say that? No. He in fact cursed the people who do this near the time of death of the Prophet ﷺ, when he was in, in the agony of death, at that time, he would wake up and he would say, May Allah curse the Yahud and the Nasara. Because they took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. They would go and worship who? Their prophets when they passed away. The righteous people when they passed away. And over here, what was he doing in reality? Warning the people that don't do this. Don't do what the Yahud and the Nasara did. That when I die, you start worshipping me. So we see that the prophets of Allah, when they were alive, they called people to nothing but Tawheed. They called people to the worship of Allah. And they rejected shirk to the best of their ability until their last moments they rejected shirk. They condemned it. They warned people against it. And if people committed shirk after their deaths, the prophets were not at fault. It was not their fault. Whose fault was it? Who's guilty of it completely? It was the people who invented it after them. So this is why Isa salam will say that when you took me, فَلَمَّا تَوَفَّيْتَنِي كُنْتَ أَنْتَ الرَّقِيبَ عَلَيْهِمْ You alone were observer over them. And this shows to us that once a prophet leaves this world, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him death, then he does not know about what's going on in this dunya. Unless and until Allah informs him in the barzakh. The prophet of himself does not know. Kunta anta alayhim. And the name of Allah, ar-raqib, is from raqaf ba. Raqabah means neck. 
So a raqib is someone who observes so closely that it is as though he is watching the neck of the person. When you're watching the neck of the person, it means that you're very close. You're watching them from very, very near. And you're watching every activity of theirs. Imagine somebody's looking over you, over your shoulder. They know what you're doing, what you're writing, what you're texting, what you're saying, because they are watching you. And raqib also signifies that people forget, but he is watching. Just like there could be somebody watching you from behind, and you don't know. So you're busy doing whatever you are doing, ignoring the fact that somebody's behind you, because you don't know. You're not aware. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala watches people even when people are heedless. Even when people are forgetful. So kunta anta raqiba alayhim. You were watchful over them. Wa anta and you alone. Ala upon kulli shayin. Everything shahidun. A witness. You are a witness over everything. You know that I fulfilled my duty with sincerity, with ihsan. I conveyed the message of tawheed to the people to the best of my ability. I condemned shirk. You are a witness to that. And whatever happened after me, you know about that as well. Now imagine when this conversation has taken place. Isa knows that the people who worshipped him, the people who took him as a son of God, or the people who took him as God, what are they destined to? Where is their destination? It's clear. They're going to hell because of the shirk that they committed. Because their guilt is established. That they invented these lies. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rejects them. Allah does not accept what they did at all. And if a person comes on the day of judgment with a whole lot of deeds, but they're worth nothing, then what is his end going to be? It's nothing but punishment. And at this time, Isa will say, in تُعَذِّبْهُمْ If you punish them, فَإِنَّهُمْ Then indeed they, عِبَادُكْ Your servants. وَإِن And if, تَغْفِرْ You forgive لَهُمْ for them, فَإِنَّكَ Then indeed you, أَنْتَ You alone, Al-Aziz, The exalted in might, Al-Hakim, The wise. Isa will say, In tu'adhibhum, O Allah, if you decide to punish these people today, فَإِنَّهُمْ ibaduk, Then they are your servants. Meaning, you own them. They cannot do anything to defend themselves. You won't suffer any harm, you won't gain any benefit by punishing them. Because they are ultimately your servants. They ultimately belong to you. It's like if you own something and you throw it away, it's your decision. What you threw away, what you discarded, cannot challenge you in the decision that you're making against it. Why? Because you are the owner. You can do whatever you want. You have the full right to execute your will and your decision. Because you are the master and you decide the fate of what you own. Isa salam will say, if you decide to punish these people today, O Allah, then they are your servants. You have the full right to do that. in تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ And if you should forgive them, if you should overlook their greatest crimes, the sins that you dislike, 
the sins that you warned the people against over and over again, if you still decide to forgive them, فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Then indeed you are exalted in might, the wise. Why does he say that you are the exalted in might, the wise? That if you forgive them, it doesn't mean that you are too weak to punish them. That you have no choice but to forgive them. No. You have the full ability, the full power to punish them. But yet, if you forgive them, that doesn't reduce in your power. And whatever decision you make, it is based on your hikmah. You are al-hakim. So whatever decision you make, ultimately it is correct. So nobody has any right to challenge your decision. Put yourself in this position. Imagine Isa salam is talking about you and I. And he says to Allah, Oh Allah, if you punish her, then she is your servant. And if you forgive her, then you are Aziz and Hakim. Just imagine, if you're standing in a court, and the judge is told that you have the choice whether to sentence her or to pardon her. Imagine if a major verdict concerning you is being made. What would be your position? How would you be feeling? إِن تُعَذِّبْهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ عِبَادُكَ وَإِن تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ You are almighty, you are all wise. Just look over here. Isa salam does not even intercede for those people. He doesn't even say, Oh Allah, please forgive them. They loved me. They did ghulub out of love for me. And that was actually out of love for you. He doesn't even intercede for them. And these are the people who do Jesus, Jesus all the time. These are the people who believe that He died on the cross for their sins. These are the people who have dedicated their lives, spent thousands and thousands in the worship of who? Isa salam to serve Him, to be on His path. And these people, Risa will say about them on the Day of Judgment, O oh Lord, they are your people. They are in reality your servants. Ultimately, whatever decision you make concerning them, it is the best. And you are not unfair in that decision. Nobody can challenge you. Nobody can reject that decision. We learn in a hadith that Abdullah bin Umar anhu, he narrated that once the Prophet ﷺ, he recited some verses. And then he recited this ayah. إِن تُعَذِّبْهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ عِبَادُكُ وَإِن تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ And then he raised his hands and he said, Allahumma ummati. Allahumma ummati. Oh Allah, my people, my nation, what will happen to them? What will happen to them when I go, when I leave them? Allahumma ummati. On the day of judgment, what will happen to my nation? Will they be in a similar state? That they have nothing that you accept? Everything they did is invalid? Oh Allah, my nation, my nation. He prayed for us. He prayed for us. Allahumma ummati. And he cried profusely. So much so that Allah said, Oh Jibreel, go to Muhammad. Although Allah is aware. And ask him, what makes you cry? So Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked him. So Allah's Messenger informed him of what he said. Allahumma ummati, that oh Allah my nation, what will happen to my people? 
So Allah said to him, O Jibreel, go to Muhammad wasallam and tell him, we will make you content with regard to your nation and will not mistreat you. Your nation will make you proud on the day of judgment. We will not mistreat you. Because this signifies that there will be many from the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ who will remain on Tawheed, who will remain on the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So we need to ask ourselves over here that what are we doing? Where are we? Am I doing something by which the Prophet ﷺ will be proud of on the Day of Judgment? Or will I be of those people who will be begging that someone intercede for me? Someone do something for me so I can be saved. And the Prophet says, Oh Allah, she's your servant. It's up to you. You can forgive her, you can punish her. You have the full right. قَالَ اللَّهُ Allah will say, هَذَا يَوْمُ This is day. يَنْفَعُ It will benefit الصَّادِقِينَ The truthful ones. صِدْقُهُمْ Their truthfulness. Allah will announce at that time that this is the day when the truthful people will benefit from their truth. What truth is this? The greatest truth. The truth of Tawheed. The truth of believing in Allah alone as Khaliq, as Malik, as Ar-Rabb, as Ma'bud, as Ilah. The greatest reality, the greatest truth, that it is only Allah who deserves worship. Those who held on to this truth, those who lived this truth, who practiced this truth, they're the ones who will benefit from it on the Day of Judgment. So what about the heart that is filled with the love of others? That is filled with the fear of others? That is rushing towards everything but Allah? Does it contain truth or does it contain falsehood? Check your heart. What does it have? The love of Allah or aversion to Allah? Is it filled with recognition of Allah? Or is it filled with ignorance of Allah? Is it inclining to Allah? Or is it inclining away from Allah? Because if this truth is missing from our heart, if this truth is missing from our lives, then we will be losers on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment, the truthful people will benefit from their truth. هَذَا يَوْمُ يَنْفَعُ الصَّادِقِينَ صِدْقُهُمْ The truthful will benefit from their truth. And yes, this refers to primarily the truth of Tawheed. But after that, truth in every way. In a person's words, in a person's actions, and what he says is true. What he practices is right. What he does, what he eats is also right, not wrong. Because it's a whole attitude. It's a whole way of life. That some people, they like that which is real. That is what they like to do, what is true, what is correct. What Allah likes, what Allah has commanded, what He has legislated, what He has encouraged. And there are other people who like fake things, who like unreal things, who like falsehood. That is what they're attracted to. So the truthful people will benefit from the greatest truth on the Day of Judgment. The Prophet ﷺ said, عَلَيْكُمْ بِالصِّدْقِ Adhere to the truth. You must adhere to the truth. Whether it is truthfulness in speech, truthfulness in aqidah, or truthfulness in your actions, in your way of life. He said, adhere to the truth. Why? Because the truth leads to righteousness. And righteousness leads to paradise.
So ultimately, it is truthfulness that leads a person to Jannah. And a person continues to speak the truth until his name is written down with Allah as a truthful person. On the other hand, lying, what does that lead to? Sin, and sin leads to hellfire. And a person keeps lying, keeps practicing falsehood until he is written as a liar near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And after prophethood, the greatest rank is of those who are truthful. مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّيقِينَ This is why Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu will have a high status on the Day of Judgment. So truthfulness is what leads a person to many good deeds. It opens the door to a lot of khayr in this dunya for a person. And when he goes upon them, ultimately he will benefit on the Day of Judgment. He will be successful on the Day of Judgment. This is why Allah says, لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ لَهُمْ for them, جَنَّاتٌ are gardens. تَجْرِي it flows. مِنْ تَحْتِهَا from underneath it, الْأَنْهَارِ the rivers. They will have gardens in paradise beneath which rivers flow. They lived in prisons literally in this dunya. Because they lived in the confines of truth in this dunya. Because we see that falsehood is everywhere. That is what is promoted by people. That is what is made easy by people. Whether it is eating haram, because that's also a part of falsehood. It's everywhere. But when you want to hold on to the truth, to that which is correct, to that which is Allah has legislated, then you feel as if you are shackled. You are bound. You cannot do much. Here is a person taking a haram loan. And look at them. They're excelling in this dunya. And here you are limiting yourself. And still you are confined in a small house that still you do not own. And you don't think that you can own anything, anytime in the near future. So you feel as if you are confined, you are restricted. And you wonder, why can I not be freed? Why can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make this easy for me? But dunya is a test. You bind yourself to Allah's obedience, Allah's worship in this dunya, Allah will set you free. He will set you free in the gardens of paradise, which are bigger than this entire earth and the sky combined. You want just a bigger house in this dunya, which is nothing compared to Jannah? لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Underneath which rivers flow. خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا Abiding therein eternally. رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ He is pleased. Who? Allah. عَنْهُمْ From them. وَرَضُوا And they will be pleased. عَنْهُ From him. ذَلِكَ That is الفوز, The success. العظيم, The great. They will be given Jannah. And they are the people with whom Allah will be happy. Notice first, خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا abada, Abiding in Jannah forever. They will never have to move. Never have to relocate somewhere else because they cannot afford the rent anymore. Or because their lease has expired. No. In Jannah, your time, your stay does not ever come to an end. خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا Forever and ever staying in Jannah. And the best thing, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ That Allah will be happy with them and they will be happy with Him. And this is the biggest, the greatest reward that a person can ever, ever have. That Allah is happy with him. But for that, 
we have to be happy with Allah first. We have to be happy with His commands, with His decisions concerning our lives. We have to be happy with Him, and then Allah will be happy with us. And when Allah is happy with a person, then He is successful. This is why Allah says, ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ That is the greatest attainment. That is the biggest achievement. That is the great success. Meaning there is no success, there is no other achievement that is like this. That Allah is happy with a person. Because when Allah is happy with a person, then that person is fine. Nothing, nothing at all can harm him. He cannot suffer any, any harm. Nothing at all. He is fine forever. Then he will live happily ever after. Happily ever after is when? When Allah is happy with you. And this is the reason why we have been given this life. That we make Allah happy with us. This is why our desire for any deed that we do is, Oh Allah, you become happy with me. I am doing this, you be happy with me. I am studying your book, I am reciting your kitab, I am struggling to understand its meanings, I am struggling to memorize its meanings. Ya Allah, you be happy with me. Because at the end, if Allah is happy, then you're successful. And if you live a life of hard work, and at the end Allah is not happy with you, then what use was that struggle? What benefit did that effort bring to you? This is why a companion once saw a Christian hermit, someone who had abandoned this dunya, just busy in the worship of Allah. And when he saw him, that companion started to cry. He started to cry that here is a man struggling, putting in so much effort to worship, but this worship will be rejected on the day of judgment. Why? Because Allah will not be happy with him. Why? Because this man is doing shirk. He is associating partners with Allah. So every effort we do, every effort we put in in this life of ours should be directed towards what? Towards the pleasure of Allah. Our focus should be, Ya Allah, You be happy with me. And for that, two things are necessary. That firstly, it is done in the way that Allah likes. And secondly, it is done only for His pleasure. It has to be done in the way that He likes. And what is that way? The way that He has legislated. The way that He has shown. And secondly, with sincerity, only for His pleasure. To seek approval from Him, not the people. Not anyone in this dunya. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ And the thing is that in this dunya, sometimes you feel that what you did because of that, hopefully Allah is happy with you. And then what happens? You make a mistake, which is bound to happen because you're a human being, and you feel like Allah is not happy with you. Have you ever had that feeling? That you know that when you've missed your prayer, when you've delayed your prayer, when you didn't pray properly, you know, you have that feeling that Allah is not happy with me. This is why you feel distant from Him. This is why you sometimes don't have the guts to lift up your hands and make dua to Allah. You feel shy. Because you know the kind of sins that you've committed. You know the kind of things you said, the kind of words you uttered. You know, when we show off or when we hurt someone, we know our heart tells us that this is something that has taken me far from Allah. Not close to Allah, but far from Him. So at this time, what should be done? That fine, what can I do? I'm such a loser anyway. 
No. Still ask Allah to be happy with you. To give you the ability to turn back to Him. Say sorry. Go close to Him. Wasjud waqtarib. Do sajda and draw close to Allah. You've made a mistake. You feel far. You feel Allah's not happy. Then say, إِلَّمْ تَرْضَعَنِّي فَعْفُعَنِّي That, oh my Lord, if you're not happy with me, then forgive me so that you can be happy with me. إِلَّمْ تَرْضَعَنِّي فَعْفُعَنِّي I know I have done many sins that I do not deserve your approval. But still, oh Allah, how can I get it without your forgiveness? So forgive me so that you can be happy with me. Clean me. Purify me so that you can be happy with me. لِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لِلَّهِ for Allah مُلْكُ dominion السَّمَاوَاتِ of the heavens وَالْأَرْضِ and the earth وَمَا and whatever فِيهِنَّ is in them وَهُوَ and He is عَلَى upon كُلِّ every شَيْءٍ thing قَدِيرٌ always all able competent everything in the heavens and the earth Who owns it? Allah alone. Everything belongs to Him. This is why if He is happy with you, then everything is yours. Because if Allah is happy with a person, then He will give him everything to make him happy. Allah owns everything. The heavens, the earth, and everything within them. Every atom, every single object is whose property? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's property, nobody else's. And the one who has ownership of everything, he is the one who has power over everything. And the one who has power over everything is Qadir. He is able to execute every will and every decision of his. And only he alone is true God. Isa alayhi cannot be God. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam cannot be God. All of them are who? Servants of Allah alone. The Malik of As-Samawati wal-Ard wa ma fihin wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir. And he is over everything capable. And with this, alhamdulillah, we conclude Surah Al-Ma'idah, which is one of the last surahs to be revealed on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The surah in which all the commands that are mentioned are final. They are muhkam. They are final. They are not abrogated. The surah begins with, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. Oh, you who have believed. And this address is repeated over and over again. Many commands have been given. Believers are addressed. And at the end, we are reminded that everything belongs to Allah. Including who? You and I. وَمَا فِيهِنْ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ He is able to do everything that He wants. And this should make us afraid of Him. That if He wants, He can forgive us. If He wants, He can question us. If He wants, He can punish us. And we cannot be satisfied. We cannot be peaceful until and unless we have made Him happy. And that can only be when we read Jannah. So we can never be 100% comfortable until we know that Allah is happy with us. We can never be 100% comfortable until we know that Allah is happy with us. Because no blessing of this dunya means Allah is happy with you. No. 
He will give the Qur'an to people who will ultimately go to hellfire even. Don't we know about the hadith in which a man will be brought on the day of judgment, Allah will remind him of the blessings that he gave him and ask him, what did you do? And he will say, I learned your book and I read it. I recited it. Allah will say, you are lying, you did this for the people. So that you would be called such and such. And thus you were called. And right now you've got nothing. So this person will be dragged to the hellfire. وَهُوَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ He is over all things competent. So we can never ever feel satisfied with what we've done, with the little that we have accomplished, that yes, I'm okay now. Yes, I'm fine now. No, never. Not until you die. Even the moments of your death at that time, we should be concerned about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being happy with us. This is why it's so important to seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness continuously and keep turning towards Him, to draw close to Him. Recitation. وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمَ أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمِّيَ إِلَهَيْنِ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ قَالَ سُبْحَانَكَ مَا يَكُونُ لِي أَنْ أَقُولَ مَا لَيْسَ لِي بِحَقِّ إِنْ كُنْتُ قُلْتُهُ فَقَدْ عَلِمْتَهُ تَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِي وَلَا أَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِكَ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ مَا قُلْتُ لَهُمْ إِلَّا مَا أَمَرْتَنِي بِهِ نِعْبُدُ اللَّهَ رَبِّي وَرَبَّكُمْ وَكُنْتُ عَلَيْهِمْ شَهِيدًا مَا دُمْتُ فِيهِمْ فَلَمَّا تَوَفَّيْتَنِي كُنْتَ أَنْتَ الرَّقِيبَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَأَنْتَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ شَهِيدٌ تُعَذِّبْهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ عِبَادُكَ وَإِن تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ قَالَ اللَّهُ هَذَا يَوْمُ يَنْفَعُ الصَّادِقِينَ صِدْقُهُمْ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ لِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا فِيهِمْ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ So what is true success? Fame? Is that success? In this dunya? No. Is it that you have lots of people following you? Lots of people admiring you? Lots of people looking up to you? Lots of people knowing your name, who you are, what you say. Is that success? No. Is it 
a lot of material possessions, is that success? No. What is success? That Allah is happy with a person. And that person could be unknown to any other human being. Could be someone whom people don't give much importance to. Could be someone who does even one deed only for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sincerity, love of Allah, having that greatest truth in the heart. Sidq. This is what makes a person truthful. Having the best job in this dunya, having a great resume in this dunya, having the best relationship with your parents or your spouse or your friends, that is not success. Having the most beautiful face in this dunya, that is not success. Knowing how to dress up most perfectly before people, that is not success. Knowing how to talk most eloquently before people, that is not success. This is all dunya. And dunya will remain in dunya. It will finish when the dunya finishes. It will finish when you finish. What will come with you is what you did to make your Lord happy. So focus on what? On that which will make Allah happy. Because we waste our time imitating others, following others, keeping up with the rest of the dunya. And that is just wasting our lives, wasting the time that Allah has given us to make Him happy. So everything we do, we do it for who? Allah Azza wa Jal. To make Him alone happy with us. Because if He is happy, everything's fine. And if He's not happy, then you can have the whole world and you could have hundreds and thousands of people following you whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, you may think that you're very famous, the whole world knows you, but still you are the greatest loser if Allah is not pleased with you. So your mission in life, your goal in life is what? Make my Lord happy with me. Your greatest desire is what? That, oh Allah, be happy with me. Oh Allah, you be pleased with me. Whatever I'm doing, these are small efforts, broken efforts, incomplete efforts. But, oh Allah, I do it for you. So you be happy with me. When is someone happy with you? Because we're talking a lot about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being happy with someone. Think about it. When do you make someone happy? When do you please your boss, your teacher, your mom? When do they say, I'm really happy with you today? I'm really happy with what you've done. When? When they like what you've done, yes. When you do something they did not expect out of you, yes. You do it in the way that they like, yes. Basically, they'll be happy when you've done what they asked you to do. Even if it was something very small. We think to make someone happy, you have to climb Mount Everest or something. No. It may be very, very small and apparently insignificant. But if it is what they asked you to do, then they will be happy with you. If you ask someone to bring you a glass of water, and they bring you a glass of water, but it is only half full. They brought you water. But is it what you wanted? No. You wanted a full glass of water. 
And if they bring a full glass of water, they do exactly what you told them to do, they complete, they do what you assign them, then you will be very, very happy with them. It's only a glass of water. Only one glass of water. Not climbing Mount Everest. But it can make you very happy. So just like that, if we want Allah to be happy with us, then we have to do the first thing that Allah commanded us to do in the surah, which is, يَا أَيُّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَوْفُوا بِالْعُقُودِ Fulfill your commitments. Fulfill your promises. The pacts, the promises, the commitments that you've made with Allah, fulfill them. Because when you will fulfill them, then Allah will be happy with you. And whatever commands He has given to us, They're what in a way? A promise that we've made with him. A commitment that we've made with him. Because when we say, I am a Muslim, then it means, Oh Allah, I submit to you. Whatever you tell me, I'll do that. So doing that will make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy with us. So this is why we cannot neglect, we cannot leave anything that Allah has commanded us. Anything at all. Whether it is the one prayer out of the five prayers that we find difficult to perform, Or something else. Whatever it is, when Allah has commanded it, when we do it, we will make Allah happy. What do we learn in the hadith Qudsi? That my servant does not draw near to me by doing anything except for the acts that I have made compulsory upon him. The fard actions. When a person performs them, then he draws close to Allah. What does that mean? That Allah is happy with him. So never neglect anything that Allah has commanded because that is your chance to make your Lord happy with you. That is your chance to be successful. And if you do everything else in this world but is something that Allah has not asked you to do, that won't bring you Allah's pleasure. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to focus on what is important, what will really make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy with us. Because ultimately that is our concern. When we were reading those ayahs about Yehudu Nasara and like you were mentioning that they worship so much, they devote themselves, it's their religious practice that they devote Rahbaniyat, I mean they, they devote themselves for uh, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their whole lives. An example is coming in my mind that, and I was relating it to the Muslims as well, that we do so much effort, like it's like participating in a race on a track. And you really want to win it, and you do so much effort to win it. You put all your heart, your body, your soul in it to win it. And at the end of the track, you realize that this is not the right track. Then what's the use of all that effort? So, I mean, even for ourselves, being a Muslim, we always claim that, yes, we love Allah. But I was listening to a khutbah recently on Jummah prayer. The Imam Sahib, he said a very thought-provoking thing and that small sentence was kind of really, um, it stirred something in my mind that do we ever sit alone and we think about, we reflect, we ponder upon this thing that yes, we claim that we love Allah. We say um, five prayers, we fast, we pay zakat. But do we ever think that does Allah love us? Evaluate yourself according to this statement that Allah love us. That's the whole point in Quran. Am I worth loving? Am I worthy of Allah's love? Have I done anything to win Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love? What am I doing on a daily basis? 
to keep Allah happy with me. Assalamu alaikum. I was thinking about the dua, Raditu Billahi Rabban wa Bil Islam. We're supposed to say this dua every evening and morning and evening. We are saying to Allah, we are pleased with you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said in Surah Baqarah, Ask me, I will give you. Subhanallah, if we ask Him, if we ask Him, we say, We please with you, He will be pleased with us. We have to keep saying, Oh Allah, we are pleased with you. Inshallah, Allah will be pleased with us. Because when is someone happy with you? When you are? happy with them. But if you are upset all the time, moody all the time, complaining all the time, then no matter who you are, they cannot be happy with you. Even if they're your children or your parents or your spouse, if you're complaining and refusing to do what they're asking you because you're unhappy with them, then they'll never be happy with you. I was just thinking how you were mentioning um, that we can never be uh, certain that we've attained Allah's pleasure until we have died and we have reached Jannah because until then we never know. It's just a thought passed through my mind. We think, no, yes, alhamdulillah, I pray five times a day. But every single time that thought comes, I think um, the surah in the 30th juz, وَيْلُوا لِلْمُصَلِّينَ That even those who pray, even if you pray five times a day, how do you know what your salah, how do you know if Allah actually has accepted your salah? It doesn't matter. You don't realize that you know, maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I just, one second I thought of something that was completely wrong that displeased Allah. And that entire 10, 15 minutes I spent praying, none of it was accepted. Yes. That praying alone is not sufficient. Doing good things alone is not sufficient. At the end of the day, what matters is, did Allah accept it or not? And that depends on the state of your heart. Assalamualaikum. I was thinking that all of us here today are so lucky because Allah has given us the knowledge of our happily ever after. And if we keep that to ourselves or if we ignore it, then we're just going to be really, really big losers. And more than those who, you know, don't know of it and they dedicate their lives to that, for us to know it and ignore it and not pass it on, that's... Really doing yourself a disservice, yeah. basically. As-salamu uh, I was just thinking about like how people strive so hard for every single thing. Like when, uh, for example, even if we are taking part in a race or a marathon or anything, people strive so hard, they work so hard for that, but still they are not sure that they are going to win or not. But still Allah SWT is telling when you follow my commands, when you follow my religion, when you follow what I say, Zalikal Fazul Azim, this is the success and you are. So how much do we strive for this? Yes. That- the effort that you put in this dunya, many times it is that the winner can only be one person. So the chances of losing are really, really high. But when a person strives towards Allah with sincerity, with dedication, with honesty, with love, then inshallah, success is there for him. Okay, we will end over here. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.